Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 410 here in the station at 103.1 FM, 910 and 980 AM, 49 degrees and cloudy outside. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. You can also call at 570-883-0098. We're going to get into a little history in a second now, but uh, let's talk to Ann from Pittston on hybrid cars. Ann, thanks for calling. Oh, I'm doing fine, thank you. I just want to say in 07, I bought a hybrid car, and uh, it was really good on gas and everything, but then I decided to uh, get a different kind, and I got an SUV. And I, I didn't like it because I was always, it seemed like every other day I had to be buying gas. So now I bought a, a 2022. I went back to the hybrid. But before I bought the hybrid again, I was talking to people that were charging their cars and uh, asking them about it. And I, I I couldn't see having to sit and sit and wait and get that charged and everything. Because as a woman, I'm not going to be sitting uh in an isolated area waiting for, around for hours, you know? Yeah, and, and there's uh, not many around our working, area. Yeah, and I was working at, at a place where I was, uh, I started at midnight in a, a large city, and then I had to come home at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I didn't want to be sitting around at, uh, you know, at 11 o'clock at night so I could get to work and all that, you know? But uh, now with the hybrid, a lot of people don't know about this, but... Uh, a battery is a little bit expensive if you need a new battery, but I the 07 still has the original battery in it. Yeah. And it, 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 uh, it did die once, but somebody said, well, it's in the trunk, and you could charge it, but just charge it on low for, for four hours. Don't charge it on high. They did it, and it started back up again. So it's the original battery for, from 07. Yeah. And what it is is um, – Somebody says, oh, you have a hybrid. You have to plug it in and everything. I said, no, what it is is uh, it runs on gas, but then when I'm just at a light or just I, um, sitting at a stop, I'm at a stop it, it switches over to um, it switches over to battery, you know? Yeah. So, my my so, daughter-in-law has so a 2022 RAV4 hybrid and loves it. When she backs out of her driveway, it's in total electric mode. When you ride it, you know, a little bit. Here and there, it sounds like a, almost like a, a, a thin hum, uh, and then the engine kicks in when it needs to kick in, and it goes back and forth, and, and they love it. Like I said, I was looking at the Jeep Hybrid um, you know, as, yeah. as an alternative, and even that, the Jeep Hybrid, you do plug in. You can have a, a level 1, 2, or 3 charger because it will run only on battery for a little bit for the first 20 uh-huh. or 30 miles. Yeah, the one day I stopped and I was talking to my neighbor, and she goes, "Is your car running?" I said, "Yeah, but we switched. It switched over to the battery. That's why it, it can't hear it, you know." And uh, so a lot of people don't know they about uh, the hybrids, and they're leery of them because I was kind of leery about it too. I'm thinking, "Oh, what if I get in and I need a battery in two years?" Because he told me he says, "Well, if if you need a new battery, it might cost you like." Like three thousand dollars for a battery, and I was just hoping and hoping all the years that went by that I didn't need a new battery because I was still making the car payments. Yeah, and uh, I yeah I didn't need a new battery. It, uh, you know, it, they're pretty good. And this, I'm up in my seventies now, and this is uh, I'm just gonna uh, hope this one makes it till I'm like ninety, and then I'll just quit driving. Because <laughs> well, God bless you if you're still driving your hybrid at ninety. Uh, what kind of hybrid did you buy, Ann? <laughs> Uh, Toyota Camry. Okay, yeah. So it's it's similar to my daughter-in-law's got the Toyota Rav4 hybrid. She loves it. 
Um, you know, my wife has yeah. looked at them. She likes it too. They drive drove around a lot together, and and my wife even liked it. And just like I like the the hybrid Jeep, but I'm just not not convinced totally on it yet. But I appreciate you calling in and giving us your experience, Anne. Yeah, I was talking to an old lady, and uh, she was telling me. She said that her Rav uh, Rav uh, hybrid. She said it owes us nothing. She said it owes us nothing. We had it for a long time, and we have no problems with it. And uh, I was thinking about getting one of those, but I i didn't want any more like SUVs. I just wanted a, a regular car, you know? Yeah, Toyota's but, a top company, no. and they've really invested in the hybrid, which should tell uh, you know a lot, uh, tell us a lot here and tell American companies here rather than diving into the the totally electric right off the bat. The only thing is it gave me low, I have low-profile tires on it, and they're too low, and the car is too low. And when you hit a pothole or something, it really, like, it's really rough when you hit a pothole because <laughs> I don't like these low-profile tires. Yeah, which, which we do in northeast Pennsylvania. We all know that, Ann. <laughs> That's why they call it 81, because there's 81 potholes from one mile to the next. <laughs> well, I appreciate you calling <laughs> in, and thank you, Ann. Okay, thanks, Mike. Thanks. Well, if you look at the... The history and the reason I'm going to pull it up is because well, I have it up already is because it had a lot to do with Pennsylvania. In 1859, the world's first commercially successful oil well was drilled in Titusville, Pennsylvania, by Colonel Edwin Drake. The first oil pipelines are developed in quick order to move oil from the drill holes and nearby tanks and refineries through private investment. Interestingly, the first uh, commercial U.S. refinery predates the first oil well. Samuel Kyer founded the country's first uh, oil refinery in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, mainly producing kerosene as he dubbed carbon oil. Pennsylvania remains, remained responsible for more than half of the world's oil production until the East Texas oil boom in 1901. And that was 1859. Then you move to 1885. Carl Benz, the precursor to Mercedes-Benz, invents the first gasoline-powered automobile which only had three wheels in Mannheim, Germany. Over the next three years, it's taken out only for short test drives. And uh, it's the first petroleum pump is, was invented by the Sylvanus Bowser in Fort Wayne, Indiana, to use to fill kerosene lamps and stoves. Again, private entity. Uh, Bertha Benz, the wife of Carl Benz, the precursor of Mercedes-Benz, Carl's wife, takes the first road trip, a 60-mile round trip from Mannheim to the neighboring town. Along the way, she refuels by purchasing benzene at a pharmacy's. The still-standing town pharmacy is the first stop and is considered the world's first filling station in, in the world. For a number of years, pharmacies continued to sell motor fuels, this benzene, as a side business. So gasoline in, in the 18, late 1800s in Germany were sold in pharmacies. In 1893, brothers Charles and Franks Durier, here in our area, built and test the first American gasoline-powered automobile. They founded the Durier Motor Wagon Company in 1896, sell their first vehicles, the Durier Motor Wagon, two months after the first sale, the first U.S. traffic accident is recorded in New York City, of course, when the driver of a new Durier hits a bicyclist. John Tokum conceives and develops the first gas dispensing pump and the first underground storage tank in 1898 here in Pennsylvania. Then you move to the 1905 in St. Louis, Missouri, Automobile Gasoline Company, a subsidiary of Shell of California, opens what some people consider to be the first U.S. filling station. Others suggest that the first gas station was open 
by uh, Social in Seattle, Washington in 1907. They are at the early gas station. Shopkeepers fill a five-gallon can from behind the store and bring it to the customers out front. That's where self-service, uh, that's where the, the service from them pumping your gas for you came from. The shop owner used to have to go in the back, fill up the five-gallon can, and bring it out to you in the front. In 1908, there were already approximately 300,000 automobiles on the road and introduced the first automobile Model T started to come out with rapid growth. We know what happened after that for several years. 1909, the first paved roads in the country appeared. Uh, Reinhardt Gas Station in Altoona, Pennsylvania opens, and it's the oldest U.S. gas station still in operation. Then you go to, uh, to the 1910s. Gilbert Barker Manufacturing Company manufactures the first gas pump using a pull-push motion to draw gas from an underground storage tank, sort of like a water well where you pump up and down. A year later, it introduces the first gas measuring pump. 1911, the U.S. Supreme Court declares that John D. Rockefeller's Standard Oil Trust to be an unreasonable monopoly, the trust which controlled much of the production, transport, refining, and retailing of petroleum products in the United States, is broken up into a number of distinct companies, including. Now, remind you, 1911, yes, it was an unreasonable monopoly, but it was totally privately owned. The government got involved and broke them up. Became Standard Oil of Ohio, now part of BP. Standard Oil of Indiana, now renamed Amoco. Standard Oil of New York, merged with vacuum, renamed to Mobile. Now it's part of ExxonMobil. Standard Oil in New Jersey became Esso renamed Exxon and now part of ExxonMobil, and I think it's back to Esso. Standard Oil of California became Chevron. Atlantic and Richard mergers, now part of BP again. And uh, Standard Oil of Kentucky became Standard Oil of California, now Chevron Texaco. Continental Oil Company became ConocoPhillips. Uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Gulf Refueling Company opens the nation's first drive-up service station, specifically, again, all privately owned, all privately done. It wasn't until the government got involved and broke them up into all these multiple companies where that happened. The government never opened up a gas station, in, uh, to put things in short. So there's the history of that. And I, I, I didn't think so. No. And this is uh, coming from the Advanced Convenience and Refueling Retailing Association. So... I'll put it out on my social media so you guys can read it. But there it is. There's the, the brief history. It keep, keeps going. I only got you up to the 1910s. It goes all the way up to the 2010s as far as their timeline. But the reason I put it out there is a lot had to do with here in Pennsylvania. So I figured you'd find that interesting. But, yes, until the government actually broke up the company and made them all these other companies, uh, it was all private entities as far as inventing the gas pump, inventing the vehicles, inventing the gas station, pumping the gas station, refining the gas, and everything else. Uh, it wasn't subsidized. Nope. And that being said, it's uh, 421 here at WILK. And speaking of wasting gas, oh, <laughs> <laughs> the ride home today. This traffic update is brought to you by Pentella Data Internet. It seems to me like they're doing some construction on 81 southbound. At least that's the report I'm hearing. 81 southbound is dipping below 35 miles per hour at Music. It, it, it's moving, though, and we don't see any major backups and no major delays. The heavy traffic on North Main Avenue and Taylor might hold you up just a little bit. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. 
Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. This afternoon, rain tapering off to showers, temperatures near 50. Tonight, becoming partly cloudy and cold, low 35. Halloween, becoming mostly sunny in the afternoon and chilly, high 48. Make sure you bundle up those kitties before they go out. Wednesday, mix of sun and clouds, high 45. Thursday, mostly sunny and chilly, high 48. It's currently 49 degrees and cloudy or raining, depending on where you are. At 422 here at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Just posting uh, that article that I just uh, spoke about on the history of fueling retailing here in America. Well, not just America, but in general, but it keys mostly on America. And there's a lot of good, if you're a history buff of the Pennsylvania area, it's a great read, to be quite honest with you. So, yeah, I just. Uh, Posted that up there, I think. We'll see. Yep, it's up there now. So you can go to Rob O'Donnell on Facebook and check it out. Read the article for yourself. I know we have a, you know, a lot of nurses in our area. Not a, a lot of big uh, medical area between uh, Scranton, Wilkesbury, and uh, all our other areas around here. So I, I read this and. It's concerning to say the least, and it worries me every time I, I get an MRI. Because I, I do have metal in me, and I know it's titanium and not magnetic, and they put a special kind of metal when they put it inside you. But anytime I get an MRI machine and they're like, do you have any metal? Do you have any this? Do you have any that? It, it just scares the hell out of me. And I've had plenty of MRIs. But uh, safety concerns are being raised about a medical center in California after a nurse was recently pinned between an MRI machine and a bed, a hospital bed. And if you know how big hospital beds are with all their mechanics and the base and everything's electronic, and they're, they're a big piece of equipment. And basically, the bed was moved very rapidly towards the front of the MRR machine where the opening is and pinned a nurse between the opening and the bed, so much so that she needed emergency surgery during this freak accident. And there's a, an investigation going on by a ton of people, including OSHA, the hospital, and everything else. And I'm not going to say the nurse's name, not that it matters, but she suffered crushing injuries that required surgery after the MR machine's magnetic force suddenly pinned the hospital bed toward it. She was tending to a patient on the bed at the time of the mishap at the medical center in Redwood City, operated by California-based Kaiser Permanente. Uh, that should sound familiar because they're taking over some of the facilities here. The patient fell from the bed and was uninjured, so thankfully the patient fell out of the bed as it was moving towards the machine. I guess the nurse attempted to stop the, the bed, and she became sandwiched between the front of the tube-shaped machine and the bed. She was, uh, I was getting pushed by the bed, she told investigators in a report conducted by the California Division of Occupational Safety and Health, OSHA. Basically, I was running backwards. If I didn't run, the bed would have smashed me underneath. Though the incident occurred in February, the investigation was just completed several months later, and that's why we're getting the information now. The probe into the, from the Department of Health in California said the, the facility failed to provide radiologic, radiological services in a safe manner. No kidding, a bed pinned a nurse to it. It received, revealed several missteps leading up to the incident involving the machine which uses magnetic fields and radio waves to create images. We know this. 
but it's in the article, so I read it for you. No one, including the patient, was ever screened, and the door to the room was left open. The safety alarm system never sound. The incident also breached several Kaiser's MRI safety policies, according to the report. Incident investigation revealed that some employees never received required safety training, and the hospital also failed to test the door alarm annually as recommended. The many safety failures created a culture of unsafe practices, said OSHA. Of course, the vice president of Kaiser Permanente, San Mateo, said teams responded quickly to those involved, immediately receiving care and support they needed. It was a rare occurrence, and we're not satisfied until we understand why the accident occurred. Well, they just told you why the accident occurred. The facility is facing a $18,000 fine from OSHA, but uh, more so the emergency su- uh, surgery that the nurse needed included bolts that were forced through her into because of the magnetic screen. It kept pinning her, and she needed uh, emergency surgery after being freed from the machine. Says she endured severe laceration that required surgery that included the removal of two embedded screws, documents obtained stated. So I I know they, I don't work around them all the time, but I've had a few dozen MRIs in my lifetime. And I know they, the confined space is one thing I've learned to deal with that. But the, the, the fear knowing I have metal in me every time they ask and it's like, all right, well, I know it's safe because I've had them before, but. You know, if you work around them, it's definitely something that you need to be concerned about. And um, if you're not getting the proper training in your facility, make sure you do. Because, uh, and again, this was coming out of California. And this article came out of the New York Post. But they basically just wanted to give alert to the medical fields around the nation that this is going on. He estimated thousands of incidents go unreported for MRI machine. Most of them are just... Anomalies that happen, no one's injured, and it kind of goes by the wayside. But at this point, there's really nothing they they could do but report it because, like I said, this this poor nurse had to get bolts removed from her that were implanted due to the magnetic force. So something to be aware of if you're working around MRI machines or anything that uses those heavy magnetic forces. It's uh, 4.32 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's... uh, 438 here at the station. Says uh, high winds are moving in. 48 degrees. Says winds are getting stronger in about an hour. If you have anything to do outside. It's point of the show where we honor our heroes across America. 63 police officers made the ultimate sacrifice on this day. Four from here in Pennsylvania. We're going to start off with uh, police officer Joseph DiDomenico. Philadelphia Police Department in 1953 was killed when his patrol car he was driving collided with a fire truck at 19th Street and Dixon Street. Another officer and a fireman were also injured. Patrolman Edward George Couch, the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police, in 1922 succumbed to gunshot wounds sustained the previous day while chasing a man who had just murdered another man at the intersection of Irwin Avenue and Freedmore Street. We also have Patrolman George Hoffman of the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police in 1919. Succumbed to, succumbed to gumshot wounds sustained 
eight days earlier when uh, he was shot while attempting to arrest a robbery suspect in the intersection of Forward Avenue and Alexis Street out there in Pittsburgh. And we have Patrol Officer Melvin W. Kiepfert of the Harrisburg Police Bureau in 1918 was killed in an automobile at the intersection, was, ki- was, was struck and killed by an automobile at the intersection of 4th and Chestnut Street. He was walking to the intersection to direct traffic when he was struck. He was transported to a local hospital where he succumbed to his injuries one hour later. And those are our four from our area. So uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to all our first responders, our fire department, both paid and volunteer, our EMS workers that are out there day in and day out, as well as our police and fire from around the country. So our thanks go to you for putting your... uh, Lives on the mind. I know it's what you signed up for. I know it's your job you get paid for, but there's no other position like it. So, and we're thankful that you do it each and every day. It's uh, 440 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. Well, thank you very much, Rob. This traffic update is brought to you by Pentella Data Internet and Energy Technologies HVAC. An accident on the Scranton Carbondale Highway by Dundaff Street. That might hold you up a bit. That just happened within the past four or five minutes. So watch out for that accident on the Scranton Carbondale Highway near Dundaff Street. We have no reports of any other backups. <coughs> 81 is looking good from the New York border to Hazleton. It seems to be moving along just fine at the moment. Uh, and the PA Turnpike, no reports of any major delays there. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight becoming partly cloudy and cold, low 35. Halloween becoming mostly sunny in the afternoon and chilly, high 48. Wednesday mix of sun and clouds, high 45. Thursday mostly sunny and chilly, high 48. It's currently 48 degrees now at 441 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 445 here in the station. 49, 48 degrees. 48 degrees and cloudy outside. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. Let's go to the phones. We have Dave from Kingston on Israel and Gaza and how a child is killed every 10 minutes. Uh, Hey, Rob. uh, Thank you for uh, taking my call. Yeah, so that's the latest reporting that in Gaza, you know, since uh, 50% of the population of Gaza is under uh, 18, 19 years old. You know, you have parents of uh, Palestinian uh, civilians writing the names of uh, the families on the limbs of uh, children. Okay, we know that, uh, you know, right before Hamas's terrible attack, see, I could have two thoughts in my head at the same time, that right before the Hamas attacks, you know, you had uh, massive protests by Palestinians, and you have uh, reported, uh, you know, reports of snipers of uh, Israel saying how they would shoot the legs. Over 200 were killed. 
Okay, uh, 200 were killed during the Dave, I, I, uh, are you just... Uh, are you, uh, Dave, Dave I, I, you, I know you can ramble off the numbers you, you got from some obscure place, but that, that's fine. Oh, not but it, it's, a war, a, it's a war zone, Dave. Why, why, are they, why, are, why is anyone being killed in Palestine? Because their okay, elected I government attacked Israel? No, no, you, you want to talk about the children being killed. I get yes. that. See, I can uh, But it's a war Hamas zone. Hamas is, uh, but Hamas, Hamas is to blame... Palestine. Uh, Israel it, as well for for the war. It, it, it's a war, Dave. Right. People die. You in know war. that the people of, of Gaza haven't had an election since 2006. So and, and who did they elect? And who did they elect? Yes, but who, no, no, Dave. Answer the question. Of, who did they elect? Hamas back in 2006, and now okay. half of the population is under. 18 years old to blame the people well, of Well, I, I thought uh, the, I thought the talking Gaza point I thought the talking Hamas. point was that the Israelis were committing genocide in Palestine but yet their population has tenfolded since 2005. So it's okay. kind of a it's kind so, of not not uh, it's kind of not I didn't say that. Kind of not I didn't say that there. talking point. But we do uh, know I'm that just saying Israel that, that you're, you're going to deny that that's state, the talking right? point out there. I mean, I see the signs I, of every protest. Genocide. Point, I understand Rob. it, but you're not going to say that that is one of the talking points? Yes, it is. It's not one that I agree with. But you brought but up that, Israel, that half the population is kids. Dave, do you know Do you know? Do you know, mean, that us, do you know that us I mean, using like, the atomic bomb in Japan saved 30 million lives, both American and Japanese? It's it, war, Dave. People die in war, and it's tragic, but Hamas is to blame for the war. Both sides are called out before for this war that's Hamas going on now. Is you know, to blame before for the Hamas war. attacks, Rod, Israel has killed a record number of Palestine civilian, civilians and taken a record number of land from Gaza. And they're also attacking they, in the West I, Bank. I know. I know. What, what, okay, uh, that had nothing uh, to do with Hamas. Are you marching in the college campuses showing your true color that you back a terrorist what elected you, organization? I, I, well, where did I say I backed well, your, your entire oh, talking point is Israel is bad because they're defending I themselves and trying votes, to rid the place Rob. of See, Hamas. that's something the right-wingers won't do. I can call out Hamas Dave, it's a for war. their terrorist attacks. It's a war, Dave. They were and attacked. This war that's, uh, yes, innocent baby. people die. It's tragic. Innocent people die, Dave. But it's tragic. But, it, but Hamas not, is to blame. Their elected the, government, the, which you admitted yourself was both, elected in 2007. Both are to blame. Both are to blame. No, no, a response is not to blame. You're, you're allowed to defend yourself. You're allowed to kill your enemy. And unfortunately, oh, innocent people in every war that's ever been fought. Dave, every war that's ever been fought in the history of the world, innocent people have died. Hey, Rob, do you know that, Hey, Dave, you know, every war, every war people? ever fought in the history of the world, innocent people die. This is nothing Don't new. Don't you think yes, we it's should tragic. be better than the terrorist countries, Rob? What are you talking about, should Dave? We... They are defending—first of all, we're not in this. We're not fighting anyone. Well, we are funding Israel. We do sell them the weapons that they use to bomb civilians— Okay, right? We do. We are. They're bombing the civilians or military targets that the cowards are hiding behind civilians with. Well, when you're. See, in you, a you skip that. You skip that, that little piece of. You Gaza. skip that little piece of information, Dave, though. You skip. You're going to so, say that Hamas does not use its civilian population as shields? Yes. Yes. Shields? Hamas is terrible, Rob. Like, I don't okay. know where you think that's a gotcha. No, it's not a gotcha. <laughs> Dave, you, innocent so people die. It's Israel tragic. But the ones to blame are Hamas. Not to kill, the ones uh, to blame are Hamas. To make sure they're not harmed. The ones to blame, or not in a war. I'm sorry, Dave. You kill They're as much as your enemy as you can. But I do want to say, Israel, right? Uh, the military leader, right? 
he uh, gave a warning to the people of uh, Gaza, and he did it in English while the internet was shut off and electricity was shut off. Dave, they've been you dropping the- flyers. They've been doing everything. They could. They're just not sending out an email, Dave. They've been dropping flyers. They've been they announcing it from helicopters. They don't have water. They've been they announcing it from helicopters. Yes, it's a war zone, Dave. It's tragic. People, Innocent people are going to die. Right. You're correct. They shouldn't have attacked, so, attacked them. So, again, when this country is 50% under the age of 18 or 19. They should rise up Why against their oppressors, Hamas. They should, they, should rise up, they should rise up against their oppressors and, and, you, and yes, Hamas rid them is of Hamas. Oppressor and so is Israel. Do you think Israel gives the same rights to uh, citizens? Of Gaza, the same rights as Israelis. More no, Pal- they don't. More Palestinians, they have been more Palestinians live free and vote in Israel than they do in Gaza, Dave. Those are the facts. They don't have the same rights. They do they have the same rights, Dave. They, uh, stop, they, stop they, listening to the Atlantic, Dave. You know, Dave. Thank you. Thank you for calling. It's the Atlantic Economy thank Organization. You, thank it's a you. neoliberal. Thank you for article. calling, Dave. I'm glad the audience heard your take on this. That's all I'm saying. And, and if they could prove me wrong, I would love it. Dave, thank you, Rob, you prove for yourself finally taking wrong. my call. Yeah, and it's not going to happen right. again, Dave. So don't bother calling anymore. Because I proved you wrong. No, and you're Dave, Dave you, you didn't prove me you're wrong. You're embarrassed. You I proved yes. you wrong, Dave. And you're upset, just like Bob, who did eight years <laughs> in the federal pen for taking uh, okay. kickbacks. Thank you. Dave, all right, there you go, Dave. That's Dave's last call. See, I tried, but I, I saw his topic, and I really wanted him to try and show his true colors. Um, you know, and and Dave. Uh, you know, a lot of people question why I take Dave's call to begin with. And, and to be quite honest with you, you, you know, I I respect some of the decisions Dave's made in his life. And it's why – and turning his life around. And it's why I take his calls. And I wanted to you to hear, the listeners to hear that other side of uh, of what people think. But, you know, when Dave doesn't get through, he lashes out. He, uh, he texts other hosts here at the station how bad I am and how mean I am because I'm afraid to debate him. Well, you just saw my debate. You just heard my debate for yourself. And it's probably the last phone, phone call you're going to hear from Dave. You know, I saw his topic and I said, you know, is he really going to back Hamas? Yes, innocent people dying on both sides. I've said it here multiple times. He's probably heard it because you know he can't not listen to the show. Dave, I, I hope you go on with your life and get whatever help you need. It's Rob O'Donnell here at WILK. We'll be back. Gotta love it. Welcome to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Oh, I appreciate all your text messages. They're hilarious. Can't read most of them, but they're hilarious. I got children are dying on both sides. Hamas started it, but both sides have the power to negotiate a ceasefire. They have to rid. And make their decisions of themselves. If they need to go in and believe that they need to rid themselves of Hamas. I mean, Hamas is still firing rockets. Let's let's be honest here. I mean, they just before I came on the air, as the, the sun was setting in, in Israel, they were firing rockets again. So they're not concerned. Like, like they said, you know, when you have members of our own government, the squad, the Hamas crew, Talking about the ceasefire. Everything's ceasefire. Ceasefire. War is tragic. And and like I said, I just pulled up Harvard University. Did a study and they believe that us dropping the atomic bomb, which devastated entire cities for ages because of the radiation, saved 30 million people on both sides. And they explain the reasons why. You know, the Japanese were a proud people. 
They would have starved their families. Their children would have died. They would have did without. They would have fought to the last person because that was their culture. By striking them overwhelmingly, caused them to surrender. Saving 30 million lives, mostly Japanese lives. I, I think it was uh, 100 or 200,000 U.S. soldiers that we were estimating would have died from that. So 30 million mostly Japanese lives were saved by dropping the atomic bomb. And yes, it's tragic. There, there are innocent people in war. That's what happened. And there is a war in Israel. Remember who started it. Remember who is using them as human shields to this day as we move on. So we'll go forward there. Another uh, tilt to uh, private school vouchers. Parents like private school vouchers so much that the demand is exceeding the budget in some states. And they don't know what to do because they can't keep up with the demand. Especially states like uh, Arizona and Iowa, where at least some families were choosing to already in private schools to take advantage of public funding now. Advocates for school choice pitch vouchers as a way to give students in low-performing schools a way out and increasingly to give parents control over where their children are taught. Four of them, Arizona, Florida, Iowa, and Ohio, have reported numbers with more approved applications than expected. The states might need to come up with more money for their programs as a result. Because, of course, you have the public system saying sooner or later they're going to start taking money away from us, the public systems. Well, if they're performing better in the private systems and people are getting more vouchers, yeah, unfortunately it is. But it also shows that success. How come these voucher systems and these private institutions are doing so much better with the same money? And that's what the whole point of the, the money going to the child. And if public systems are giving that, say it's 13000 say it's 15000 say it's 20000 in a voucher for them to take elsewhere, then sooner or later that public school maybe should start losing that 20000 that 15000 Why are we pouring money into a failing system? Give that child that money to go elsewhere. It's uh, 5 o'clock here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show.